All right, everybody, here we are for episode 65 of Now Showing with Mike and Wayne. Uh, due to certain circumstances, we could not uh, be in person today, uh, so we're going to film just an audio version of this week's podcast. So uh, if anyone, you know, the three of you that have watched the YouTube videos, if you're waiting for this one in video, unfortunately, this will, it will not be the case this week. Um, Wayne, though, great news is uh, October's right around the corner. And last you know what Last year when we did, uh, you know, we started this podcast in July, we were looking forward to the month of Halloween, as a lot of us refer to it as, um, and it's upon us again. And so this episode, while we're recording uh, at the end of September here, will air on October 1st. Uh, so we are going to start off our kind of scary movie talk, if you will. Um, you know, coming up with the topics for this month was a little... It's been a little difficult just because we did, you know, so many great topics last year. Um, but I, this this week we're going to talk about uh, like kid horror films or gateways. They're uh, they're called gateway horror films, um, movies that kids watch when they're younger that kind of get them into that kind of being scared and creepy. But it's lighthearted fun still at the same time. Um, I want to start off with probably one of my favorite and one of my seminal movies from when I was a kid that really started me off on that weird path uh, so young, and that was Beetlejuice uh, from uh, 1980, I believe it was 89, 88, hold on, I got it right here, 1988. So we've, yep. we've talked about Tim Burton before, we've talked about some of his other movies, uh, but this one, I mean, you've got a great, just creepy setup, um, you know, similar people obviously are familiar with Candyman, it's very similar, you say Beetlejuice's name, except you don't have to be in front of a mirror, and he will appear. And he seems to be your friend, and he wants to help you, but he's really not. Um, it was directed by Tim Burton, uh, written by Michael McDowell and Warren Skarin. Perfect name for writing a, a kid's uh, horror movie. Uh, Alec Baldwin, right. Gina Davis, Jeffrey Jones, Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder, Michael Keaton are your stars. Michael Keaton, obviously the lead. Uh, we talked about him a little bit last week with the other guys. We even mentioned Beetlejuice and some of his other movies. Uh, if you're familiar with Michael Keaton only from like his serious work, uh, this would be like, I would, I would like to see someone go back and watch this and only know him for being a serious actor. Cause this was a year before Batman. So this is when he did a bunch right. of comedies. Um, and he, I mean, he's hilarious in this movie. He's scary in this movie. He's just super all over the place and it just, it makes the movie so enjoyable uh, Winona Ryder was just on the rise to Wayne and, and she, you know, would go on to work with, uh, Tim Burton and Edward Scissorhands and, and, uh, some other films and, um, obviously be known for like Heathers and stuff like that. And now, uh, Stranger Things. So, I mean, she, um, was great as Lydia in this role. I mean, I think everybody remembers the, the, uh, dance sequence at the end. Um, or obviously also in the middle yeah, of the movie too. Go ahead. That's what I was going to bring up, man. That's when you say Beetlejuice, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Dale. Yep. Dale. Come and you won't go home. But that, just that song and just the sound effects and the sound mix and yep. the offsetting creepiness. So like, like right after, uh, I guess you could say the inciting incident, which leads into the meeting of Beetlejuice and all yes. that stuff. Like the whole I guess that we got to talk about. Yeah, I guess we can talk about it. The movie's only twenty plus years old. You know, <laughs> it's over the, thirty uh, years old now. Yeah, dies in the car accident, yes. right? 
and you know they're getting escorted to the afterlife and all that stuff just the way like the i don't know if it's like a it almost seems like they're playing on like a like a saw of some kind the i can't even really describe the sound mix of like the setting of the towns and you got the weird farmhouse type thing when they're yep. going in to speak with everybody oh yeah it's it's like it's an office with like regular secretaries and and but there's management to talk with and it's just like this whole other world the underworld basically um that you're rushed into after you're you know what you think your two main characters alec baldwin and gina davis die and you're like wait a minute as a kid you're like what is going on why do these two people just die and um it it just turns into this really weird dark lovely comedic film and you know you get when you're finally introduced to michael keaton probably about 40 minutes in or so um it it just Mm -hmm. the movie just changes and it's just so it's so funny it's so entertaining uh the characters are great Catherine o'hara um is fantastic as as, uh, lydia's mother um even though jeffrey jones isn't a good person we're not going to talk about that look it up uh, he's really good in this movie, I, I would say, um, and he was a common theme in a lot of Tim Burton films back in the day. Um, you know, of course, Mr. Rooney from Ferris Bueller, so he already, you know, kind of had his own fan base too, I think. And uh, it, it just everything with this movie worked. Uh, it really just opened, like I said, for me, opened the door to the possibility of just weird, bizarre movies. Um, that, like I said, a lot of people consider them gateway horror films that you could show your kid and be like, all right, this isn't something too scary, but it's something that will make you interested later in life and be like, Oh, I need to watch something, you know, a little more grown up now. Um, but yeah, it's just a classic film all around. Absolutely. There's also the cartoon spinoff. That was pretty popular in the early nineties. Yep. It really kind of made me more like a, the, the hero, the good guy. So that's yeah. what I was really, I also uh, think about when I hear Beetlejuice, so. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they tried to get as much out of that character as possible, Warner Brothers did. Um, there's still ta- been talks many years about a sequel happening uh, with the original cast. I just don't know that everyone would be on board for that. Um, but eventually it may happen, who knows. It would be fun to see Michael Keaton kind of get back into character again. Um, I know he's getting older, but for that character, that doesn't really matter. Um, the other thing too is it, it was turned into a hit Broadway musical, uh. So there's that as well. You know, those a lot of those movies from the '80s kind of got that same treatment where they lived in the zeitgeist for so long that instead of getting a sequel, they're just like, "Hell, we'll just let's just do a musical of it." Um, and it, from what I understand, it worked out pretty well. Uh, but yeah, it's just seriously, like I said, it's just one of those early on early movies I saw that really I think guided me towards being such a huge horror fan um another one that uh we were going to talk about i know Wayne, you, you wanted to talk about this one too is gremlins um yeah gremlins is a classic now it came out when i was one and you were two so we obviously experienced this movie um a little later i would say uh you know kids may not know this but back in the day things were on were on tv all the time and they would constantly play movies over and over again. I know that stuff still still exists, but many younger people don't have cable, I don't think. Um, so Gremlins and Gremlins 2 would be on TV constantly, uh, which was great back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it was directed by Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus, the writer, uh, or not writer, but director of Home Alone and uh, to the Harry Potter movies and plenty of other kid-friendly 
uh, either horror or Christmas type stories. Uh, starred Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, Polly Holiday, Francis Lee McCain. Uh, Dick Miller was also in it. He is a kind of a horror movie icon. Um, Corey Feldman, of course, uh, plenty of horror films. Uh, he was in two around that time. Uh, it Gremlins is a story. If you're not familiar, it, uh, Dad is in. I, he, I can't. Is he? He's not actually in. Like he's in Chinatown, right? That's where it starts off. That's where, yeah, that's where apparently because like that's him purchasing Gizmo yes. from the gentleman, the Mogwai. Yes. So he he purchases Mogwai, which is Gizmo, and it's like a pet that his son keeps. Um, but then he accidentally, you're not supposed to get them wet and you're not supposed to feed them after midnight. The good thing about not like the not getting them wet, like, yes, it's bad to get them wet, but it doesn't like destroy them. So like he gets wet by accident and then several more gremlins like spawn off of him. Um, and that, uh, leads to chaos, hilarity, really like, I'm not I'm not going to say gory, but pretty violent movie for a kid's movie. Wouldn't you say Wayne? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean the the kitchen scene alone is horrifying. Yep. Uh, you know, I da- mean the grandma oh, really freaked me out. When I was a kid with like the 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 alien egg alien type eggs when they hatch and whatnot. It's like what the hell is going on here? Yeah, they were. Um, it was really good uh, practical effects. I think you know, good puppets or whatever you want to say, and they were really creepy. Spike is a great villain in the first movie. Um, mm-hmm. a really great foe for, for Gizmo. And it's just, it's just so funny. I mean, like it, it's funny. It's and scary. Like when you, we talked a little bit about this last week when we were mentioned club dread, if you're going to do a horror comedy, especially a horror comedy for kids, you got to hit both of them really well. And this movie was hilarious, but it was also very scary at the same time. And I think being able to nail that is why this movie has become a classic. Yes, sir. Um, obviously we went, we got, we got the sequel, um, Gremlins 2. Yes, the which, new batch. Uh, may not be as great as the first one, but I love it all the same. Like, I know that some people are like, eh, I'm like, are you kidding me? Gremlins 2 is fantastic. Gremlins 2 is amazing. And people that don't like yeah. it, want, didn't understand the direction it went in. But back in the 80s and early 90s, you had, and I'll use Bill and Ted as an example too. You had movies that the directors wanted to do sequels and they wanted them to be different. And the studios didn't get as involved as they do now to where it's like, if you get a horror movie, the direct sequel is basically a rip off of the first movie where back then over. Go ahead. Sorry. For example, the hangover movies. First one is fantastic, right? Yes. Second one and third one. Second one is just basically a remake of the first one. It's like, come on. It is, yeah. So. And the third one was, they did different, but they should have done it earlier. Like, the third one was a completely different movie, but it was so weird. Where, like, yes. Gremlins for us, I mean, I think, you know, Gremlins 2, what really helped, I think a lot of us kids really enjoyed it. Because it was a goofier, weirder more bizarre movie, but it wasn't, this one wasn't as scary. I don't think as the first one, um, they were, he was more going for a comedy and you get Bill and Ted did the same thing with Bill and Ted, excellent adventure and bogus journey, two completely different movies, 
Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which came out in 86. Completely different movie than the first one. Um, directors had that control back then that they could, you know, they convinced the studio because, like, hey, look, Gremlins was great. Look how much money you made off Gremlins. Just let me do what I want with Gremlins 2. Now, while we sit here and we love the movie, I'm pretty sure financially it was not as successful as Gremlins. So the studio may have been on to something. It wasn't maybe as mainstream of an idea. Um, but it, you know, it still worked. And, uh, you know, JT, our friend JT, who, uh, wants to be on the podcast, we'll have him on sometime in the near future. Um, we, him and I have talked endlessly about Gremlins and Gremlins too, specifically because he, like you said, Wayne, like a lot of people didn't care for it. And he really likes that movie as, as we do. Um, and it's just such a weird, weird movie that, it work. It just works. I, I can't really say much else about it. It works, and it, you know, I always remember the New York scene where the Gremlins singing "New York, New York" and dancing. Yeah. Um, it, it just the and, yeah, yep. Well, because they like take over television, right? That's the like the kind of idea behind it. Um, they like take over a whole TV network, and it's just yeah. I don't know. It's just it's a, you have to see Gremlins two to believe it, I guess, because it's so out there, but it is so good. Um, and also remember too, they're Christmas movies. So not only are they kid horror films and horror films, but they're also Christmas films. Uh, so you get like a triple threat there, uh, out of these movies. And I think that's big because you can watch Basically you can watch them any time of the year. Then, um, they're just a lot of fun. And if you haven't seen the gremlin movies, I definitely recommend checking them out. Supposedly there is a short called gremlins three, the dawn of Desmond. Interesting. Uh, I don't know anything about found it on the internet. Uh, here, let me let me read this to you really quick. Gizmo becomes a gremlin who teaches the other gremlins about democracy and philosophy. They develop a country. They call it Gremlin Nation. They ban all immigration. They have genocidal tendencies. Gizmo isn't into it. Also, he has a kid with a human woman played by Jennifer Aniston. Huh. <laughs> uh, from has actually made last year and it's approximately two to three minutes long. It's a short. Interesting. So I'm guessing it's a, it's gotta be a spoof of some kind, but maybe, I don't know. Since we're on grip, I saw this and I thought it was worth mentioning. Who knows? The, there is um, an animated series coming to HBO max called the gremlins secrets of the Mugwai, uh, based on the, obviously the original property. So it'll be on HBO max, but yeah, that one sounds interesting. So I have to have to check that out. Um, Weird, weird stuff. All right, so the next one I want to talk about, Wayne. I don't know if you've seen this one or not, and it's called. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do most of the, the talking on it, I guess, unless you've seen it. It's called The Gate. Have you seen The Gate? I have not seen The Gate. Okay, so it is uh, directed by Tibor Takox. I'm not sure how that's how you say it. Uh, written by Michael Nankin, starring a very young Stephen Dorff. It came out in 1987, so he was a child actor at this point. Um, I'll go over the plot. 20-year-old Glenn has a nightmare of finding his home abandoned. Uh, or, sorry, 20. 12-year-old Glenn has a nightmare of finding his home abandoned and going into his treehouse only for it to be struck by lightning and collapse. When he wakes up, he finds out uh, that in the backyard, workers have cut down the same tree from the nightmare and unearthed a, a geode. Glenn returns with older friend Terry to investigate. Though the workers attempt to fill the hole left by the tree, Glenn and Terry breach the, the surface, finding a large geode. Glenn catches a splinter and leaves a small amount of blood behind. 
So when he leaves that blood behind, it kind of like opens up a gateway to, to hell, essentially. So you have these two kids, and I believe it's um, Steven Dorff's character's sister, who end up having to like fight off these demons while their parents are away. Uh, it might even just be for like an evening. Um, you know, that's how they did it in the 80s. Like, oh, we're going to go out to dinner, and then all this shit would happen. Like, adventures and babysitting. You know, all this stuff would happen in like less than six hours. Um, it was one of those movies I caught, you know, probably similar to Gremlins and Ghostbusters and stuff. I caught on like HBO when I was probably like maybe 10. Um, and it just, I really, really love this movie. I, I've seen it a dozen times at least. Um, it, it's so good. It, it really fills that kids horror film need. There's been other movies similar. Like there's one called the hole that came out a few years back. That's very similar to it. Um, but this one, it just it's so good. There was a sequel. I never did see the sequel. Uh, but The Gate is one of those movies that anytime someone's asking me for like you know more of a kid-friendly horror film, I point him to this one. It is creepy. It is scary. Uh, but it's just so well done. And I feel like it's one of those ones that does not get talked about enough. Like Wayne said, you haven't seen it. Um, but it's definitely highly recommended by me. So if you take my opinion to mean anything, um, I would watch it. And... Uh, <laughs> It just check it out because it's it's really good and it's fun to kind of see a young Stephen Dorff running around fighting off demons. All right. Very cool. Here is my question for you, sir, and I'm not sure what you have lined up for the rest of the segment, but show, movies like Edward Scissorhands and maybe like even Ghostbusters, would you consider these gateway into horror genre at all? I do, I do. We had this discussion about Ghostbusters before. Um, Ghostbusters to me is, is a horror film. It, it, it's a horror comedy, uh, mixed with science fiction. Um, but it also, I mean, it deals with ghosts and it, yeah. I mean, how, how can you have a movie that deals with ghosts and not it be considered a horror movie? And it's the same, like, then people are like, well, what about Casper? I'm like, that, that works too. But Casper is like a, not a, I wouldn't call it a gateway horror cause it's not really scary, but it's a, it's a, it's a horror movie, uh, just a kid's horror movie. That's not scary. Right. Not all horror films are scary. That is also a misconception. Um, a topic we'll be getting into in October where at some point will be slasher films. I don't consider slasher films to be very scary. I think they're a hell of a lot of fun. They are still horror movies. Um, mm -hmm. So what was the other one you said? Ghostbusters and uh, what was the other one? Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. Like yeah, I mean, Edward Scissorhands is basically Frankenstein for a modern generation, right? I mean, it it's a man who builds a person up in a tower and uh, that person then kind of comes out to, to view the town. They just handle the town handles it a lot differently because he's a handsome Johnny Depp and not a creepy looking monster. Right. So yep. it, it, it becomes a fascination with them with the exception of, you know, Anthony Michael Hall who ends up suffering the consequences for that. Um, Cause he's a bully and a douchebag uh, in that movie. Um, another Winona Ryder one, another Tim Burton movie. I love Edward Scissorhands. Um, I know you hear me say I love a lot, and I, and I try not to use that for movies that I truly don't mean that for. But, like, Edward Scissorhands is something that, another one that I grew up on. I watched it more than a dozen times, probably. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're, essentially, you were right. And, I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily have that one down. But, yeah, that's another kids' fantasy horror movie, because it's basically the story of Frankenstein. Um, and you get mm -hmm. horror icon Vincent Price is the is the I'm going to put quotes here the Doctor Frankenstein even though he's not Doctor Frankenstein. Um, one of his last roles, I believe, Tim Burton wanted him for that movie specifically, and uh, it, it just 
has become a classic. I mean, and that that's you know Tim Burton. So many of his early works have become classics. You know, I know like recently he's kind of hit or miss, um, but with Batman and Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns, um, even like Sleepy Hollow, in my opinion, uh, stuff like that. Yeah. So I think about in the uh, the Disney movie that or short that was adapted for the Sleepy Hollow Johnny Depp movie. Uh, I, you know, was introduced to that one at a very early age. I wanted to get on this topic, so when you brought it up, I was like, oh, sorry to interrupt you there. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good one, too. The Sleepy Hollow cartoon. That was was one. I'm right there with you. I watched it all the time. Um, But Mr. Boogity, which you can now catch on Disney+, Plus, that was another one for me. It's basically this boogeyman that's haunting this family. Now, I've heard... Uh, since it's been added to Disney Plus and people I follow and podcasts I listen to, they're like, don't watch it because it'll ruin it for you. Um, so I haven't seen it again, but it it stays in my memory as a positive memory of something that I enjoyed when I was a child that guided me towards horror films. I mean, we just talked about one last week. It's you know kind of odd that I picked this topic for this week when we did just talk about Nightbooks. Um, Nightbooks is a great gateway horror film for kids i think wayne wouldn't you say absolutely absolutely because you know it's got that creep factor but it's not so outright scary that you can't you know it, it should get well i was gonna say it shouldn't give your kids nightmares the witch is a little bit scary there at the end she but, is yeah you know hey i say i don't want to go too far under because i'm one that i'll drop a spoiler right and that's yeah. right um so earlier uh, in the podcast uh, uh, last year, we talked about Witches, the remake, which I know you liked a little yep. more than I did, but that's another uh, gateway horse in with the original Witches with Angelica Houston. Oh, how you know what? Here's my next two that I'll talk about real quick. The Addams Family movies. Yeah. The Addams Family movies, not scary. They're funny, but they they fit in that same vein. They are, they are it's about a creepy family that does creepy things. But they're hilarious, and they're the stars of the movie. And Raul Julia uh, as uh, Gomez Adams. You got Angelica Houston as Morticia. Um, Christina Ricci as Wednesday, which Wednesday is now getting her own TV show via Tim Burton on Netflix. Um, so you know the Adams family is those kind of. It was obviously it was original TV show like in the fifties or sixties. I think the sixties when it started, and it it it's been like the monsters like these. Like PG G or PG horror, basically. So it's not like supposed to be scary, but it takes those monsters that you know and love and puts them in a family friendly uh, situation. So those, especially, I think, kind of lead you could lead you down the path of of getting your kid interested in horror. So if you're one of those people that wants like your kid to like horror movies, start with something like that because that one's it's weird enough to where they'll be interested in something else, but it's not going to scare them at all. Um, so I really enjoy both Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values. I have not seen the new animated one, and I know the sequel comes out next Friday. Um, so if you have smaller kids, show them those and see if they like those, and then work your way up to the other ones. Uh, the the house. One, oh, sorry, go ahead. I got to ask about one that we both love very, very much, and I think it would work, but The Lost Boys. You know, it's introduction to vampires, um, while it's not so much geared for kids, it is a kind of nice little, maybe for like a teenager, kind of like, oh, you're interested in horror, maybe getting scared. Let's watch this. I oh, definitely look, think 
teenagers will love Lost Boys, uh, Fright Night, um, trying to think of some other good, like, 80s, like, that are, like, teen flicks, but those two especially, because they're about teenagers, so whenever you can show a teenager a horror film about someone in their same age range, I think that's a good idea. Um, we did talk last week very loosely, we didn't comment much on it about the Lost Boys remake. Now, to clarify, I'm not really looking forward to this, but I do... Wayne and I talked after the show. I do give the benefit of the doubt to at least so I can at least watch it first before I say anything negative about it. Um, because as we talked last week, to me, Lost Boys is almost a near perfect movie. So it's difficult for me when we see a near perfect movie getting a remake. And again, it's my opinion. Some people may not hold it in such high regard, but I do. Um, and I know you do as well with the Lost Boys. And- so I'm a little more hesitant, similar how I was hesitant with the Ghostbusters remake, um, not the sequel, but the remake. Um, and it, I saw that and I was like, eh, it's fine. You know, for this generation, it's a, it's a, it's a fun movie. And unfortunately it didn't seem to catch on as, as they were, as much as they were hoping for the newer generation. Um, so I hope that Lost Boys, even if I don't like it, maybe some people will, you know, younger teenagers will kind of be like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a classic for me because it's when I grew up. Um, but yeah, for us, you know, it's remakes are tough, but a lot of remakes, there are some good remakes out there and people forget that some of the remakes that are really good have become classics now. Um, so I'm always willing to give it the benefit of the doubt and watch it first, uh, before I make my full judgment. But in, for that case, the Lost Boys, the remake, I'm not super excited for. Um, however, I do believe it probably can't be worse than those shitty sequels they made. Um, <laughs> Even though I love them because it has Feldman in both of them. But they are they are really bad. Um, so, one I just watched recently, when actually the other day, uh, The House with the with the Clock in Its Walls with uh, Jack Black, Kate Blanchett, directed by Eli Roth. It's Eli Roth's first foray into kids' horror. Um, it was pretty good. It's a good, like, another good gateway horror film. It's about witches and warlocks. Um, a witch hides a clock in the wall to annoy the other witch that he used to live with before he died. And it's about finding that clock. But then someone brings the, um, the, the main warlock back to life. And it causes all this, obviously this tension and, and, uh, drama and hilarity. There was a little bit too much bodily humor for me in it, but, um, I'm not surprised knowing Eli Ross kind of sense of humor. So, um, The Goosebump movies that just came out recently, those were uh, the first one was good. I haven't seen the second one, but the first one I liked with Jack Black. Um, Monster House and Paranorman are two animated kids' films that I really enjoy. Um, and they're very kind of creepy and scary. Um, so if you have if you have young kids and you want to show them something that, a little creepy that they you think they might like, Paranorman and, and Monster House are definitely up there on that list. Um, as I'm kind of just scrolling through corpse bride is another one, Tim Burton. We've talked about Tim Burton quite a bit. Um, right now I'm just kind of scrolling through a list people. So just, uh, spirited away. That's on this one. I don't know that I would necessarily say that's a horror movie, but it is freaky. So that's another one. It's kind of freaky. A really good. Oh, labyrinth. There's a good one. Uh, labyrinth with Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie. Yep. That, you know, that kind of fits in the, um, Edward Scissorhands category, I think, right? Because it's a fantasy, but it's kind of creepy and eerie at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. 
maybe not as funny, but you know, it's still, uh, I think, a a really good entertaining film. Um, here's an interesting one on this kid list. I wouldn't have, it's only PG 13. So I guess it does make sense. And this is one of my like top horror movies from back from the nineties, arachnophobia. Um, crap out of me. I hate spiders. I know. Right. And that, you know, this movie, I think that's the reason I like it so much though, Wayne is because they kill the spiders. (laughs) The spiders are the villain. Um, gotta love John Goodman, man. John Goodman, is fantastic as the exterminator Jeff Daniels as the straight uh, main character. When I say straight, I mean not funny. I don't mean as in straight. I mean he is straight in the movie, but that's not what I mean. Um, he he doesn't he doesn't get all the laughs. The laughs go to John Goodman and several other characters. Uh, I, I've always loved Arachnophobia. It's it's been one of those movies I watch constantly. I just purchased it to have on Vudu. I thought I had the DVD of it and I couldn't find it, so I got it for cheap on Vudu. Um, just such a good movie. If you don't like spiders, you may feel icky early on, but then when they start to kill them all, you'll feel pretty good about it. Um, uh, definitely a misconception of the tarantula, though, because we find out later as we got older, tarantulas aren't as deadly as they say they are. Um, Little Shop of Horrors, we talked about that one before. I'm not a big into musicals. One of my favorites. Yep, that's that's a good, another good, like kind of lighthearted comedy horror for kids. Um, I think it definitely is something that you should show your kids if you're if you want want them to go in this kind of direction of liking those type of movies. Uh, Rick Moranis is great. You got a great cast with Bill Murray and, and Steve Martin, um, as well as a bunch of other actors that pop up through that movie. Uh, a lot of fun too. A lot of great songs. Uh, here's one Wayne that I you know I'm going to talk about for a minute here. I grew up on this movie. Um, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. It's called Return to Oz. Do you remember that? Ooh, oh, yeah. Oh, who is the, the actress that plays Dorothy in that? She Fer- became really... Feruza Bulk from uh, The Craft. Yeah. Another great movie. She's an American history act. She's in The Craft. Uh, Waterboy. She's uh, Vicky Valentine in Waterboy. Yep, she's one of the, uh, the Band-Aids in Almost Famous. Yep. She, she, um, is creepy in this movie. So they made a sequel to Wizard of Oz, and that's what it is. It's not, it's, it's like a direct sequel, and I think it's the book. But they, like, I mean, she's really young in this, so as the Dorothy. Like, Dorothy in the original movie was much older. Um, so I don't even know how, remember how they explain it. Um, it's, it's a creepy-ass movie, man. That's what I remember about it. I, you know, I, it's one of those movies I think that's gained fans as it's gotten older. Um, people didn't like it as much when it came out, but The Return to Oz is a one creepy ass kids movie that is definitely gateway horror because it, like, if you could sit through that movie and you could like it like I did, and how weird and bizarre it is, like, it's definitely then then you found you like your niche. Um, it's such a weird, weird movie, but it's I remember really enjoying it. And well, again, watching it several times as a kid, as I sat in front of the television a lot, as you can tell. Um, obviously, Ghostbusters and Gremlins are on this list, which we already talked about. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, that's another one because those aren't very uh, that's not very scary, really. Jaws is on this list, and I, it's really on this list because it's only rated PG. So there is that is a movie I wouldn't necessarily recommend showing it to younger children, even though Donovan's seen Jaws probably a number of times. 
uh, because my wife watches it all the time. It's usually like our Sunday movie that we put on, um, either during breakfast or during dinner. So that's another one. It's PG. Poltergeist is also PG. Uh, so there are yeah. some other kid movies, you know, not kid movies, but other horror films out there that are rated PG that could necessarily, I don't, even th- I don't even know why I didn't think of Poltergeist. Poltergeist is perfect, especially if you want them to watch stuff like The Conjuring. Show them something like Poltergeist first and see how they react to that. If that's too terrifying, then maybe wait till they get older to show them something like Insidious or The Pol- Conjuring. <laughs> Poltergeist scared the shit out of me, so. <laughs> it's fucking scary, man. It still works to this day. They That's another one that got unfortunately got a remake, and it was terrible. Um, but yeah, Poltergeist is still, I think, generally a scary, scary film. Um, here's 1949, The Adventures of Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad. That's the one we were talking about, everybody. Um, if you have seen that, then you grew up at the same time that me and Wayne did. Um, cause that was, it was on Disney like all the time. Uh, yep. and it, it's only like 40 minutes or something like that. So I think that's why they were able to play it so much. It'll probably be on around this time. It may even be on Disney plus. Um, another thing that, you know what? The original Dracula from 1931, any of those monster movies to fit the bill. Cause they're all G or PG. None of them are super scary, but some of them still really work. Like I only recently watched the original invisible man from like 1933 over. It's a really good movie. And yeah, it's really kind of creepy. I, I like it, I wasn't as big of a fan of Dracula, um, but I did like the two Frankenstein movies, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Bride of Frankenstein considered more of a comedy. Um, but those movies are, you know, anybody could watch those. They're on, I think they're like all on Peacock right now because uh, Universal yep. owns Peacock. So around the Halloween last year, they did the same thing. They threw them all up there uh, for Halloween. So go watch those. if you know, See if your kids are interested. I know they're black and white. They may think it's weird, but um, those are definitely movies I think that you can get your kids into and not feel like they're going to be terrified of them afterwards. The Wolfman is another really, really good classic monster movie as well. I always was uh, appreciative of that one. Yeah, see, and I haven't seen that one yet. I have them all, but I ha- that one I haven't watched yet. I think out of the main ones, that one and The Mummy are the two I haven't seen yet. But I saw everything else. So The Creature from Black Lagoon, that's a good one, too. Um, Alright, so let's move on to our reviews. Of the week! <laughs> this week we have um, two very different movies. Uh... The first one is a new one, and it just hit Netflix, and it's called Intrusion. Um, let's see. Let me just find the uh, IMDb here real quick. Give you the rundown and the, the notes of it. Um, let's see. It was directed by Adam Sulky, written by Chris Sparling, starring Frida Pinto, Logan Marshall Green, Robert John Burke, um, Megan Elizabeth something. I can see the full cast list here. Megan Elizabeth Kelly. Uh, lots of three name people. Um, those are basically your main characters. It so it's a movie that's framed as a home invasion film. A brand new house that this guy he's an architect he built for him and his wife. They live out in the middle of nowhere, um, but the stores are like maybe like twenty minutes away, so it's not like too far. Um, they get broken into one night when they go out. And they come back, they freak out, they call the cops, cops come, they do their investigation. Um, And then another night later, they get broken into again, and uh, she finds out her husband has a a gun, 
and that he's hidden from her, and he uses that to defend himself, takes out the bad guys. Um, and that's where things start to get a little weird. Uh, the, the movie starts to be not what you thought it was. Um, when all the home invasioning is kind of done in the first, like, 30 to 40 minutes, you're kind of like, wait, so what's the rest of the movie about? I, you know, I, I thought it was a very interesting film, Wayne. Um, I, I didn't love it, per se, but I, I did enjoy myself watching it. Um, I thought the two leads, Logan Marshall Green and Frida Pinto, did a nice job. Um, I, this is another one we don't want to spoil, because uh, there are some spoilery things uh, that we could talk about, but we won't. Um, but it go. It, I, I was kind of okay with it going in a different direction than what I thought, than what even the title says, because intrusion implies, you know, someone is intruding on your home. So that that's kind of what the movie pretends to be at first, but it's not really that. So what, do you, what are your initial thoughts? I liked it. I thought it was, yeah, I mean, it was a bit on the, I don't want to say the, like, predictable, but I don't know. I thought it was, I enjoyed it. I thought, you know, it had some good, a couple of good ah moments real quick, but yeah. definitely, definitely thriller. If you, if you would, I don't know. Like I, I'm not like, it's not fantastic, but exactly. It's an entertaining film. I think that people will, you know, enjoy themselves watching at least at the least. Yeah. It might have possibly set itself up for a sequel of some kind, maybe, but I don't really know if it deserves it. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It could carry on the story, but you know, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to kind of see it how how it all unfolded. I thought, um, while like you said, it was predictable and it kind of went the way I think once you start watching the movie, you get like how it, what's going to happen. Um, but it was a little different than some of the other movies that have done that before. So I thought I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought some of the things with the house, what what had been done to the house, were interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But as soon as you find out this girl is missing. Because uh, that's part of it, too. There's a missing girl. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Um, that kind of makes you go, oh, okay. So this is a different movie than what I thought it was. Um, but, it, like, if you watch the trailer, you're just kind of thinking, like, oh, it's like The Strangers or, or, um, or uh, Hostage. Or, you know, there's another, there's a Nick Cage one that was like a home invasion thriller. There's always, it does follow the pattern of, like, there's always something about one of the main characters that is unknown at the time that you start watching it. So I will leave leave uh, leave with that. That that is something that uh, this movie does go for. Um, I think it works. I think Logan Marshall Green. I thought he did a good job um, playing this role. He often gets um, made fun of for looking somewhat like Tom Hardy. In this one, he doesn't really look as much like him because he's got a, a longer hair and glasses. The whole movie. Um, but it, it's yeah. I mean, it, I thought it was a solid flick. Not not anything that you're going to be like you know craving to watch over and over again but if you're looking for something to pass the time it's an hour and a half and it's enjoyable and uh frito pinto does a nice job at being um scared so uh she did she did i thought she did well in this film and uh i would recommend people just watching it if if you're looking for something to watch so yeah it's a good saturday saturday night flick i guess you know yeah for sure agreed all right, so the other one that we watched was a little bit older of a movie. Uh, you know, we've been, unless there's like two brand new movies in one week, we've been trying to kind of go back and watch some older stuff. Um, I'm going to start off with, I quite like this movie. 
even though there are some bad things about it, for sure. Um, yes. I, I, um, <laughs> I still enjoy myself. It's called Blind Fury, directed by Philip Noyce, starring, starring Rucker Hauer and Terry O'Quinn, credited as Terrence O'Quinn. Um, but Wayne, go ahead with your, your first thought that you were about to say there. This, this movie just needed a little bit bigger budget, I think. I agree. That was like my first yep. thought after I watched it was like, if this movie had more money, it would have been a lot cooler. Yes. The effects were lacking, but I enjoyed the story. The acting was was good. Yeah. Like, I, I believe, you know. <laughs> it, no, for sure. It, it So, to start off, this movie, it stars Rucker Hauer. And it's from 89-90. Rucker Hauer was a, um, in Vietnam. And he kind of gets left behind by his military buddy, played by Terry O'Quinn from Lost and uh, X-Files and many other things. Um, and he ends up becoming blind, and he's basically left for dead. But he ends up being saved by a village, who then basically teach him to be like a blind swordsman. So it's kind of like a, a kung fu samurai type movie thing. Um, he then comes home, finally comes home like twenty years later. That's where the movie picks up when he finally lands on like American soil, and he goes yep. to to meet his Vietnam buddy uh, Terry O'Quinn, and he is divorced from his wife, so he's not living at the house anymore. Um, we do find out a scene before that that. Um, Frank Devereaux, played by O'Quinn, is being held over the the uh, ledge at a casino and being threatened to make drugs or they're going to kill his family. So while Rucker Hauer is blind and sitting um, at this woman's house, we, we are given a, uh, I keep jumping back, we are given a scene where he's on, um, or he's, not, he's eating at a bar and he has to fight these guys while he's, obviously he's blind. So we are kind of given a, a uh, a scene that shows his skills and his abilities. So we kind of know what movie we're in for. And yep. then he goes to meet the, the, the man and he starts talking to the wife played by, played by the Meg Foster, who's got the most ridiculous eyes. I think I've ever seen. Yeah. They have no pigment. That was, that was why, that was why people kept casting her back then because she was so odd looking, but she was beautiful, but her eyes made her just so like unique, if you will. Um, and she, uh, Foster, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, um, and you may not even be familiar with this role, but she played Evil Lynn in the, uh, Masters of the Universe movie in, uh, what are they, 87, 88, yeah. I believe. She was also, uh, and not... they, they live with, from John Carpenter. Yes. Um, I saw her in something else too. Oh, she, uh, she's been in a couple of Rob Zombie films. She was in, uh, the one, um, oh, the, uh, which one? I forget what the name of it was at the moment. Uh, but yeah, so she's not in this movie very long. She's the mom, Lords of Salem. She's the mom, and she uh, basically like gets shot uh, by Randall Tex Cobb, aka the guy from Ace Ventura that Ace steals the dog from in the beginning of the movie. And that guy just won't die. Uh, he gets probably like cut and sliced like so many times before he actually finally dies towards the end of the movie uh, by falling. Hey, very epic Star Wars esque type scene, and I think uh, the death of Darth Maul. Yes, uh, obviously stolen from this movie. I, I believe. I believe it is like. 
<laughs> You're right. It's almost the angle and the way he falls. It's almost exact. Um, yes. Very. I didn't even really think of that, but you're right. Maybe they. Maybe uh, George Lucas is a huge Blind Fury fan. Um, so then the blind man is then charged with protecting her son, who they want to kidnap, so they can force the, uh, Terry O'Quinn's character to do uh, the drugs that they they want to sell. Um, so it's just like this adventure of him taking and. and um, Rucker Howard doesn't know this at the time, so he's taking the kid to meet his dad in Las Vegas. Uh, obviously, you know, something's up because they he, he had to dispatch of two cops. Yeah, he, he kills, like, two cops in the beginning of this movie um, while Meg Foster's character dies as she was shot by, uh, one. I think, one of the cops or the main bad guy. Um, she, so, it, you know, when he cut off that cop's hand, I was like, oh, so that's what kind of movie this is. I'm going to like this movie. Because it was just, like, yeah. kind of body parts getting cut off. And like you said, the effects weren't great. There wasn't spurting blood like you'd like to see, especially from something back in the in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, or, you know, something Tarantino did or something like that. Um, see, you get the hand cut off, though, but then he kills the next cop and there are no wounds on him at all. And he just goes, <laughs> ah! And falls face first. Like, ah, <laughs> that's what we're in for. Right, exactly. Like, certain things they were able to do and certain things had to get cut due to budget restraint, I'm assuming. Because uh, there are a lot of sword cuts that we don't actually get to see, like, the full effect of. Um, but, it, you know, it's it was honestly, it was just fun to see Rucker Hauer have fun with this role. It's kind of a, mm-hmm. almost a buddy comedy with him and the kid at times, too. Because at first oh, they, yeah. they don't get along, um, and the kid was good. You know that when you see a movie like this, you start getting to worry like, uh oh, if this kid sucks, it's going to ruin the movie. And I thought he yeah. did a pretty good job. Now Brandon Call is the actor that played the child. Uh, he was on Baywatch, and I think he was in. Uh, I know he was in uh, the Legend of Ford Fairlane with Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, I'm not sure what else he's been in though. So yeah, I think this was his first movie though, right? Because it said introducing Brandon Call. I believe you are correct, sir, yes. Uh, he was on Step by Step. So he played... Uh, oh, right, 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 yes. Yeah, he was one of the main kids. Played JT on Step by Step. Um, he was in Warlock. Uh, this actually was not his first movie, but they it did, it's weird that it said interest, introducing them. A lot of TV shows. Um, and maybe, you know what, he did Warlock in this in the same year. Maybe this one just ended up coming out first. Mm. Oh, and he's the, you know what he's he's only a little boy in in Warlock. In this one, he's the main he's one of the main characters, so maybe that's why he got that. Then he did Adventures of Ford Fairlane the next year. Um, then Step by Step was the last thing he's done. And he hasn't done anything since. Mm. But he's the older brother, I think. Yes. Right. Yeah. I remember him now. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. I didn't realize that was who it was. Um, it's funny too because in his IMDb picture he he's a little child, but he more known for being a like a teenager. Is was he not on Baywatch? Um, I don't. Did I not see the? Let's see. Maybe I'm getting him confused as I frequently do, so I apologize for that. Thunder in Paradise. Okay, maybe that's where. <laughs> where it I looks like a Bay, Baywatch ripoff. Thunder in Paradise. That's the one with Hulk Hogan, isn't it? Yep. Hulk, Second Hulk, Hulk. Hulk reference of the episode. <laughs> Anytime we can have no, multiple 20, Hulk Hogan references. I'm to make a Hulk Hogan reference. Now, not so much at all. No, no, not, not so much. Um, Yeah. Oh, it had a bunch. It had Jimmy Hart in it. 
Uh, Ed Leslie, uh, Jim Needhart as well. Sting was in it. Jeez. No wonder it didn't last. I've never, I've never even seen this show. It looks like they kind of just turned it into. It looks like it was. Oh, it was was it only like? Oh no, it said twenty two episodes. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, the things you find out when you start when you when you start searching other people. Um, there's a Thunder in Paradise yeah. three disc set that you could per- you could purchase people uh, with Hulk Hogan in the front. Twenty two episodes. Yep. Yeah, that sounds about. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, Blind Fury you can find on Amazon Prime. Uh, it was definitely enjoyable. Um, it was one of those movies that I probably come past many times and I just haven't watched it yet. So I was yeah. excited to kind of dive in, and I'm trying to watch some older Rucker, older Rucker Howard movies um, because I realized that when he passed away, like a, a year or so ago, whatever it was, somewhat recently, that. I hadn't really seen a lot of his movies. I mostly knew him from Blade Runner and Sin City. Uh, so I was trying to kind of watch some of his older ones. Uh, so it was nice to, to view this and, and enjoy it too, on top of that. Right. We're going to get into what we've watched this week. The main thing I will talk about, and I've talked about it several times, uh, but I'm going to probably talk about this show until we stop doing this eventually, whenever we stop doing this, when we're old, old men, Wayne, or one of us dies. Um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso had its finale, and it was emotional and hilarious and amazing. It just, it's seriously one of the best shows on TV. I know not everybody has Apple Plus, but if you just, both seasons are over now, so go and, you know, get a free trial or do it for a month. For I think it's only five bucks a month. Uh, just watch it. 20 episodes. They're anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes each. Uh, it's so good. Such a great show. Jason Sudeikis is really just wonderful on that show, as are the other supporting characters um, of that cast. And it really just is awesome to see a show like that uh, get so big and win so many Emmys as it just won a bunch of Emmys. And just and it deserved it. I mean, you know, it, it really is just a great show. Um I really recommend people watching that one. Uh, a Million Little Things returned this week, so I started. I watched uh, season four, episode one of that. That's a good drama I've talked about before. Um, our regular stuff, like Law and Order, all the regular shows are coming back. Uh, so go check those. You know, if you're stuff you watch, pay attention. You may not realize it's come back yet. Um, Wayne, is there anything else you watched this week that you wanted to talk about? Yep, I uh, I finished Friends. Night Lights, the, the TV series. Okay. Um, interesting show. Um, definitely suffered from the uh, writer's strike in the second season. And um, it went from a 22-episode season down to, like, 13. Yeah. And I believe there was a deal with, like, uh, DirecTV to keep a show on the air for five se- the, the last three seasons. And uh, it kind of suffered from that. Overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, but it definitely seemed to kind of dip the last two episodes especially okay uh and your main your main cast and stars kind of uh you know graduate and move on because you know it is a high school show so yeah um i did not realize that uh, michael b jordan would play as big a role as he did the last uh season or two so that was cool to see nice much like i talked about uh, jesse Plemons earlier yep when i mentioned but overall you know it was an enjoyable one uh, let's see. I started watching Star Wars Visions, 
very very interesting take on um the star wars franchise uh made it through uh, two episodes so far definitely uh kurosawa uh influence for the first one especially yeah but yeah definitely check um definitely interesting takes and uh, different animation styles in each episode it appears so you know that's that's very cool uh there's something else that i watched oh um mayans season three yeah uh the uh it was good very good interesting interesting way that the characters are changing and taking different turns um obviously uh easy's character the main character is struggling with things obviously i can't talk too much about it because it's going to kind of put up some major spoilers but um this is the first season without kurt sutter as the showrunner yeah and uh it's different for sure um the characters are all the same but definitely uh it just has a different pacing and feel to it but uh, yeah i would definitely recommend uh watch and yeah that's the big stuff i'm watching i'm working my way through friends every now and then or have it on (laughs) the background uh, I'm about three and a half seasons in on that, and uh, I get why it was so popular back in the day. I definitely yeah. do. Um, yeah. All right, one more I'll mention too. I watched the movie Riders of Justice, which is uh, uh, on Hulu right now. It stars Mads Mikkelsen. It's a Danish film, and he is a war veteran who's actually well, he's not a vet at the time. He's actually over in like Afghanistan, at the beginning of the movie. His wife and daughter are involved in some sort of accident, and the wife dies, so he returns home uh, to be with his daughter. And then some uh, a guy who was on the bus or train with them comes to uh, their house thinking it was a murder, which the police don't believe him. And so then it kind of starts this whole trail of revenge. Um, it's another one that's kind of not what you think it is at first. It's, it's really, really well done. Uh, everyone does a great job in it. Mads Mikkelsen, you can't really go wrong with him at this point. Uh, he delivers fanta- a fantastic performance. Uh, it's really kind of raw and emotional. Uh, it's a really good movie. If, if you have Hulu, check it out. It is also somewhat a comedy. There are some very funny moments in it as well, but it is also very serious at times too. Uh, so I definitely recommend watching that one. Um, I, we, next week we will be reviewing the new Jake Gyllenhaal movie Guilty. I watched the remake of that, or the, sorry, I watched the remake. I watched the original of Guilty of the Guilty, which is a, a his Jake Gyllenhaal's version is a remake, um, and it was really good too. And while I'll go into more depth about it next week, um, but that is also on Hulu if you want to catch that. Um, but yeah, that's it for what I've watched. So let's get into um, the news and notes, and then we'll wrap up the show here. All right. Uh, Wayne, Virgin River has officially been renewed for season four and five, uh, so that's good hey. news. Wayne and I both just recently uh, like binged through this show. It's a very good drama uh, if you're looking for something dramatic to watch. Ashton Sanders cast to play Bobby Brown in Whitney Houston biopic I Want to Dance with Somebody, which will be directed by Casey Lemons and star Naomi Ackle as Whitney. Casey Lemons we've talked about before. Uh, she did Caveman's Valentine, um, uh, Eve's Bayou, and she's also an actress. She was in Silence of the Lambs. Adam Devine uh, to headline Pitch Perfect reboot series at Peacock. Kristen Bell and Jonathan Groff are going to star in an original movie musical called Molly and the Moon from How I Met Your Mother creators Carter Bays and Craig Thomas. Kevin Hart and F. Gary Gray are teaming up for the first time on a Netflix heist film. 
So Kevin Bacon is going to star in, in and produce Whistler Camp, which is about a conversion camp. Um, it's a Bloom, it's from Bloomhouse. Uh, so that'll be, I think, somewhat interesting uh, to see that done as like that setup done as a horror movie. We've seen it in But I'm a Cheerleader um, as a comedy, and then I saw it in another movie recently, a couple movies recently, done as a drama. Um, it's obviously a very serious uh, topic and can be very, very careful how you handle that. Netflix buys Roald Dahl's entire catalog. Uh, so that includes like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the BFG, and all that stuff. Um, they were already in the works in producing some movies for his properties and TV shows and stuff, so that's not surprising. Sean Astin and Ali Larder are going to star in the Man in the White Van serial killer thriller. Tiger King Season 2 is going to uh, arrive before the end of the year. A lot of people are asking why. Um, Mario Brothers animated film cast has been announced. Chris Pratt as Mario, Charlie Day as Luigi, Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach, Jack Black as Bowser, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, Kevin Michael Richardson as Kamek, and Sebastian Maniscalco as Spike. It will be released December 21st, 2022. A lot of people are upset with that casting, especially Chris Pratt, but even the other people. I don't know. We'll see. One of the main things that you point out here when you get an animated film like this that has a bunch of people who have done these voices before um, and you everyone gets upset for the community and I get it, but these are the studios looking to put names on a poster and they've already yeah. got a poster with all these names on there and it's going to look pretty impressive to people that don't know anything about Mario. Um, and that's what they're trying to do is just make money. So I get fans being upset and I understand it, but that's just the way the business works at the moment. I just hope they don't go with a fully, you know, they do the animated goofy Italian it's a me, it's a Mario. It's like, I don't know, get the complaints on that one. And we'll kind of like, I just, if, if they want to use Chris Pratt's voice for just, you know, without the goofy, offensive dialect added to it, fine. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. Being I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I know I'll probably be seeing it in theaters because Donovan loves Mario. And that's, those are the games we play all the time. Um, WWE and MGM are rebooting American Gladiators. Teen Wolf, the TV show, is getting a movie on Paramount+. Plus. Pilu Asbeck from Game of Thrones has been cast in a key role in Salem in the Salem's Lot remake. Here's big news, Wayne. George Clooney and Brad Pitt are re-teaming once again uh, in a movie directed by John Watts, who did the last two Spider-Man movies. And last, sorry, last three Spider-Man movies, actually. The third one just hasn't come out yet. And finally, Bella Thorne joins uh, Aaron Eckhart in Rumble Through the Dark, which is going to be an action thriller. Release is coming soon. Uh, the Tragedy of Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, and Brendan Gleeson. And it is written by and directed by Joel Cohen, just himself this time. So it's his first solo effort, the first solo effort from a Cohen brother. Um, it looks incredible. There's a teaser trailer that was just released. It's all in black and white. It comes out in theaters on Christmas Day, but it'll be on Apple Plus on January 14th. I'm super excited to see this movie. Everyone knows I love the Coen brothers, even if there's only one of them. Um, and that cast, too. I mean, you can't beat Denzel and Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm. Horror Noir 2 coming to Shudder October 28th. Horror Noir is a documentary about black uh, horror films and uh, black influence in horror films. It was a great documentary. Glad to see they're going to keep exploring that in the sequel. Uh, Night Teeth with Megan Fox, Debbie Ryan, Lucy Fry, Alexander Ludwig, Sidney Sweeney, Alfie Allen, and Jorge Len- Lendeborg, who will be the main character, Jorge Lendeborg Jr., um, hits Netflix October 20th. 
We will definitely be talking about that one probably. Uh, it's a weird looking vampire, like vampire, uh, almost like think collateral Wayne, but with vampires. Interesting. Yeah, it's like this guy has to drive these two vampires around all night. Very interesting uh, story. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Sandra Bullock's prison drama, uh, Unforgivable, hits Netflix December 10th. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog releases in theaters and Paramount Plus on November 10th, so they've given that a day and date release, uh, digital and theaters. Um, it's been happening to a lot of the kid movies. I think you know a lot of kids still can't be vaccinated, so they feel that that's the best way to go about it. All right, on to the people who have passed away. Uh, Nino Castellanova, Italian actor, dead at 84. Anthony A.J. Johnson, actor and comedian, dead at 55. Uh, people know him from Friday. I got the hookup. A very funny man. Unfortunately, he passed away. Uh, Willie Garson from Sex and the City and White Collar, dead at 57. He had uh, pancreatic cancer. Legendary, iconic, inspirational, influential filmmaker, actor Mar- uh, Melvin Van Peebles, Father to Mario Van Peebles passed away at 89. Uh, Roger Mitchell, director of Notting Hill, Changing Lanes, Morning Glory, and many other films, uh, died at 65 this week. So that's our show for this week, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you all listening every week, um, no matter how many there are of you. It seems like it seems like we're getting new people, even if it's just one person a week or whatever. That's fine by me, uh, by us. Um, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Now Showing with Mike and Wayne.